Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the highly acclaimed Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And today I have got an incredible guest on coming all the way from Beverly Hills in Los Angeles. So I'm going to get straight into a bio and then straight into those questions. So the expression multifaceted is just one of the many ways to describe Angelica Bridges, who hails from a small town in the USA, Missouri, population 150. She began the leadership on philanthropic aspirations at the age of 16 when she was crowned Miss Missouri Teen. Right after high school, she made her move to Los Angeles to pursue her entertainment and educational dreams while she attended UCLA for communications. She is perhaps best known for her role as Lieutenant Taylor Walsh on the international television series Baywatch. The show would go on to become the most watched television show in the world and aired in 142 countries. Aside from being a regular on Baywatch, Angelica has hit the screen's playing Red Sonia, which was a syndicated television series con in the Barbarian, has had recurring roles on The Days of Our Lives, The Bold and Beautiful, Mortal Kombat, Son of Beach. She's also guest starred on over 20 television series, including NYPD Blue, Seventy Show, Veronica, Metropolitan, Scylla... So, so many. This is absolutely incredible. She's held top-notch hosting gigs, as well as being a television news anchor and special guest on many different networks, including VH1, TBS, E-Network, Fox News, MTV, American VH1, and Showtime. Had an incredible start to Hollywood with a music career that saw her land a contract to tour Asia, singing and performing for 20,000 fans a night and headlining singer for the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas, which featured an image on a 50-foot bill board on the side of the hotel. She signed with one of the top international modeling agencies in the world, Elite, seeing a great national and international campaigns, including Maybelline, Diet Coke, BMW, Nivea, Toll Fitness, many, many more. And she's featured on some of the world's most iconic publications. Not only that, but she's a successful entrepreneur, pastry chef, television host, producer, and philanthropist, and is currently the co-host of a new show, Vegas Winner which is a sports and entertainment-driven series and will debut in the spring 2021. As pastry chef, this year sees her launching a very own bakery with a signature gourmet dessert, Lying Like You, and a release of the first cookbook in May, Like Love Yum. She's a huge heart with a philanthropy work and continues to be part of an innovative and humanitarian-driven project. She lives for philanthropy and has decided and dedicated her life to animals and to animal rescue, as well as humanitarian causes. She enjoys donating time to many other charitable non-profit organizations besides her own foundation, Angelic Kitchen Org, which I do want to touch upon later because it's absolutely amazing. She prepares and donates meals to the homeless and those in need of food in Los Angeles, including other non-profits she works for, the Midnight Mission, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, Habitat for Humanity, National Coalition. And lastly, which I'm excited to talk about, is a latest film that is all about mental health, Sarigetto. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Angelica. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm exhausted after <laughs> you read that. I'm like, oh my gosh, shouldn't I be tired by now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always think that. No, I'm, I'm more, uh, more excited ever just to create something new now, so. <laughs> well, you know what? First and foremost, like I say, thank you for the, for coming on the show. When I reached out to you, it was like I'm straight on board and getting to know 
other things like that bio, those accolades is absolutely amazing. But the the side of it, the the philanthropic work, you're so passionate about helping others and that servitude. Like I want to take you back to the beginning first, but I almost want to ask you before I take you back there is what drew you to that, to be of servitude to other people? And where did that come from? Because that's pure heart, that just giving your time. Yeah, you know, I have always been like that my entire life. And coming from a really small town that I come from, I mean, 150 people, <laughs> you know, it, it sounds like a movie script. But, but yeah, um, it was a really tiny town. And I think just, you know, it was the kind of place where, yeah, we did didn't have to lock our doors. Uh, you go to the neighbors to borrow a cup of sugar. Uh, you know, you just had that very small town, hometown vibe. And my parents always taught me at a very young age to, you know, take care of people, take care of animals, help others. It was just ingrained for me in, into me from a very young age. So, you know, not only that, but my heart just, um, always, always was very much attracted to um, rescuing things, rescuing animals. Uh, you know, I started doing philanthropy when I was 16 years old for a women's shelter when I was in high school. And yeah, it's just something that's always been a part of my heart and my soul. <laughs> wow. It, it, it's amazing though, because it just shows you the heart of a person just to put themselves behind and everyone else forward. But I suppose taking you back, you, you mentioned there, 150 population. <laughs> like, where, also, where did the aspirations and the dreams come? Because you left home after you got Miss Missouri and you went to Hollywood. So there's clearly yeah. a dream there and a, a go-getter attitude because you could have been, I come from a small place back in England, countryside. Not many people leave that it tends to, they stay there, they get married and they do the life. So what was it in you that propelled you to go, you know what, I'm going to go for this? Like, Definitely, you know, having so much free time because at the time, you know, growing up in the seventies, uh, we didn't have social media. We didn't have too many TV channels to choose from, but I remember watching Gilligan's Island and seeing uh, Ginger Grant, the character Ginger Grant on Gilligan's Island, which was Tina Louise, the actress, and, and going, wow, I want to be Ginger. I love this glamorous movie star deserted on this, you know, island. And I think just those are some of the, the characters that I would, would watch uh, from television and aspire to be. And having so much time and, and so many acres to roam and, and horses and we had cattle, we had little billy goats and um, dogs and cats, um, that those were my friends. Those were the little creatures that I hung out with because we lived so far out in the countryside um, that going out into taking, you know, saddling up the horse in the morning and going out on the farm and coming back to eat dinner at night you know, you invent things, you create things in the, in, in the countryside. You, I remember just like, you know, um, doing scenes where I was on Gilligan's Island and pretending to be a movie star. So those are the kind of things that I did as a child is uh, just, you know, dream and create and, and do things that, um, 
you know, to keep myself occupied on a, on a big farm way out in the country where, you know, there wasn't many people around. The nearest neighbor was a few miles away and we had dirt roads. We didn't even live on a paved road. So that's, I think that's where all of this came from is being in such a small town that the only thing for me to do was to dream and create and aspire to one day move out of that town <laughs> when I turned 18 um, to realize those dreams. Wow. But <laughs> say, I, I just think it's amazing because it, it does take a lot. It takes a lot of resilience, tenacity, and a lot of drive to go, you know what? I'm 18. There's this whole wide world. I mean, for me from England to do that, but then to go to the bright lights of Hollywood, like that in itself, I suppose for anybody that's listening, that's kind of going into that industry, like we see the highlight reels and this is about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign as we, we remove that. What was that like, your initial, was it a shock to go to the bright lights of Hollywood, especially coming from 150 people? <laughs> like, like, I know. Wow. Um, yeah, because, well, you know, eventually in, from my later, like junior high and high school, we moved to the town over, which maybe had, I don't know, maybe 6,000 people. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't, you know, much of a, of a you know, upscale, but... <laughs> Um, I think that, uh, there was so much drive in me as a child and, um, a teen that the way I looked at it, that nothing was going to stop me. I was very much an overachiever growing up. I wanted to be involved in everything, you know, every school play, every musical, um, every, uh, even like cheerleading, um, spirit club, student council, I was really, I wanted to letter and everything. I wanted to be involved in everything um, because I had so many interests. And I think that's where, you know, that overachiever thing growing up and having so many interests, you know, I kind of felt like, well, there's nothing that can really stop me. You know, I, I can create my own world and, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to aspire to get, you know, amazing grades and go on and, and go to UCLA or a major school in California so that I'm there in that area and then I can kind of enmesh myself into Hollywood and um, get into entertainment. And of course that's what I did, but yeah, I do wanna tell people that are out there in small towns, let me tell you something, anything is possible. I am living proof that you can, have anything you desire, anything you put your mind to or set your mind to when, you're, when your mind, heart, and your soul um, are in alignment, boy, I mean, there's nothing that can stop you. So I, I think I've always tried to tell people that is dream big and don't let anyone tell you no or you can't do it or that's crazy um, because I didn't know anyone in Hollywood when I came out at 18 and I had to create it and go from the ground up, you know, and to the, to, you know, the most watched TV show in the world, um, which is a dream, dream come true for me. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that I've always wanted to stress to people is that you can achieve anything you set your mind to. I think you just touched upon something. So I always, I always try to address when I listen to people like, and, and tell the audience, right. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. Listen to what people are saying, because what you said there, there's people along this journey that will tell you about 
do their program, do this. I can help you get here, here, here. And you just said something so important that I learned recently. There's no secret other than your mind, your soul, and your heart aligning. And that's when things start happening. Yes, yes. And and, and definitely there are some times where you call it a, a, a fast uh, express line or there's a fast fast lane, you know, when we're, we're in um, security at the airport, we may go in the fast lane and we, we have certain documents to do that. Um, so yes, there there is. And I think that sometimes is timing or luck. You meet a certain person at a certain time and they're like, hey, I'm casting a movie and they see you at a grocery store, they see you at the gym or the library or, you know, wherever it is and you kind of get that lucky break. Yeah, I mean, that definitely can happen. Um, That's all part of, you know, the magic of the world and timing and divine timing. I like to call it divine divine timing. Um, But if you, you know, when it comes down to it, absolutely. It is about, it's just about here. And it's, you know, what's in your gut, your soul. And it will align. Every day. And then of course, you know, everything, I believe in energy. So we were, we're all energy and yep. what we think uh, is very powerful because, you know, after about four to five seconds of a thought, it then manifests into actual energy. And, and, you know, it's scientifically proven. It's not any like hoopla, but there is science behind <laughs> behind all this as well. So people are like, oh, I don't believe that. Well, there's a little science. Yep. And of course, it's, it's all about, you know, putting out the energy and manifesting your desires. <laughs> I, love, I love it when people say that the hoopla, but I, I always say no, because I, I found the hoopla. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, love that. I agree with it. I totally, these like, this campaign has just taken me to so many heights and meeting incredible people like yourself. And I'm going, that's hoopla because this guy didn't know anybody. And it's, it's when it matches and you're doing something of servitude to other people. But when, when you was um, obviously you was doing your, your communications at UCLA and you was also getting into the entertainment industry, I suppose, again, attesting kind of imperfectly perfect, what would you say is kind of, you've obviously gone through a lot of no's to get your yeses as well. And people see the highlight reels. So how did you manage your well-being during those times? Because you need a thick skin as well, I suppose. Very much so. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah, because like you said, uh, you kind of referred to, I don't even know if you said these exact words, but what I got from you was you probably had a bit of a culture shock when you moved from such a small town to such an environment like like Hollywood is. So yes, culture shock. Um, Think people think differently. It's a much faster uh, vibe going on. Uh, Some people can be very cutthroat. You know, you have to have a thick skin because if you don't have a thick skin you're gonna want to you know it can really um it could destroy you you know you want to go back to that small town or you want to give up and um i think that probably growing up how i did with such a worth ethic of being on a ranch and um you know, just, just being that type of person that whatever needs to be done, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, or whatever, I would do it. You know, I, I wasn't ever too good to uh, clean up horse manure in the barn for my dad and, and those kind of things. It builds character. It builds um, a type of very 
down to earth kind of personality when you've experienced those things and you're that close to earth and nature and animals and uh, out in the country where there's not a lot of people, I, I believe that it really builds character. Therefore, it definitely helped my resilience when I came to Hollywood, believe it or not, dealing with um, rejection. You know, and I think what the biggest thing that I just kept telling myself was, look, it's with all things in life that sometimes happen to us and we can perceive them as negative or traumatic or, or however. Sometimes it's how we perceive what's happening to us. So I started kind of training my brain and my mind um, when I came out here, not in Missouri, I didn't have the skills yet when I still lived in a small town, but I gained those skills when I was living in, in, in Hollywood. Um, but that was to train my brain that negative thoughts are going to create more negative thoughts and more negative situations in my life. And if I can slowly but surely, and easier said than done, um, allow myself, look, this isn't about me. Uh, maybe they're looking for another hair color, another type. You know, this this isn't meant for me at this time. There'll be something else. And there always was. If I wouldn't wasn't right for one thing, uh, there was something else that was meant for me that would come in. And then I started, once you see that flow and it happens like that continuously, then you kind of go, oh, okay, there is something to this. Maybe that's what it's. It's a great. It's a great um, line. When one door closes, another one opens. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my point. Is once I start realizing that's how things go. That's what the universe kind of does. Um, I would say, okay, you know what? That's okay. There's something else better for me. And um, so I started thinking like that from in my twenties, and it really helped me get through and navigate so many situations and, and life experiences and, and um, career choices. But right there, that's for such a young age in your 20s, self-awareness is amazing. Like I I, I'm now in my 30s and I'm like more self-awareness. And like you even said there, working on yourself is probably the hardest thing. Everyone else aside, everything else aside, but yourself, what you have to uncover. But self-awareness in your 20s is, is amazing, which is obviously what's put you in good stead. Yeah. And honestly, I read a lot of self-help books. I, I, I did. I was always searching for the answer. I was always searching for a key of some sort or something that would make my life better, whatever it is. So I did therapy. I have read every self-help book on the planet, um, which I think I always took a little bit of something from every book and kind of made it my own. You know, there is someone says, oh, well, what was your favorite book? And, oh, gosh, I... I don't really have one. I mean, I've kind of read everything, Celestine Prophecy to Conversations with God to the Four Agreements. Um, and I don't have really a favorite. I think there's something good about every book that if I could make the perfect book, I would take two chapters from this, two chapters from this one, two chapters from that, four chapters from that, you know, The Secret, take, you know, probably six <laughs> chapters from that. Yeah. And create the, the most divine um, book, honestly. But I think it just, I, I 
didn't want to get lost in the shuffle. I didn't want to feel like, you know, I, I was a failure or that I couldn't make it because I wasn't strong enough. So I just always wanted to get whatever help I could get at the time, whether, like I said, therapy or, or books or anything to help inspire me or just to help me get through and, and, and more than anything, just let me know, you know what? I'm normal. I'm okay. Everyone's going through the same thing. Everyone's fighting a battle, you know, just in different ways. And that helps when you realize that. Did it, did it help? This, this just popped into my head because there's a book that I read that changed everything for me. And it was by David R. Hawkins and it's called Letting Go, The Art of Surrender. So when you had such amazing, I'll, I'll send you a screenshot of it. Yes. <laughs> Basically it was, we try to control everything, every aspect. And when we actually let it go, Again, it's a little bit of that hoopla. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's surrendering. And, and I just realized as you surrender, you become more self-aware. Things start happening in a sense of flow. So right. like, out, out, of, out of all those books that you've read and you could take a, a, a pinch of salt from each of them, what yeah. was the most outstanding kind of thing that actually hit you and went, okay, I think um, definitely the secret, um, you know, and people say, oh, that's so commercial and, you know, they created something and they cashed in and, but, you know, it, it, if you have faith in something, it's going to work for you, right? Um, but I really resonated with um, how the secret, you know, taught people that your thoughts, how powerful they are, uh, you know, not to keep lingering on a negative thought for too long and imagining you having something. And therefore, once you start imagining it and visualizing it, then it starts transpiring and, and happening and manifesting. Um, so I think probably uh, the secret uh, was, was very, very, very powerful for me, as well as conversations with God. Um, you know, I'm not uh, growing up in a very religious Baptist strict, you know, I, I come from the, we call the Bible Belt um, in, in the part of the U.S. It was very, uh, you know, I grew up with, you know, going to church and Sunday school and having the Bible. Everything is by the Bible, Ten Commandments. Um, I think once I moved to Los Angeles, I just became a little more spiritual, more than religious. Cause then I felt like, wow, everyone's taking religion and they're putting their own spin on it or they're taking the Bible and, and they are um, breaking it down the way they see it. So I, I was getting so many mixed signals and it was confusing me. Um, so then I thought, you know what? I think God is all about love. God is love. And I think that's where I need to follow is follow the love, follow the love. If something doesn't feel pure love, then it's probably not, God's not involved, you know? Mm. So if, if something with religion started to affect me negatively, then I would say, I don't think this is, this is what I want to follow or what I want to feel right now, because this, I don't think God wants to, you know, punish anyone or punish me. So, so making a long story short, not, not even getting into religion. Um, 
but but I think my point is is that um, I started just becoming more spiritual and understanding, you know, just just come from love, just come from a place of love, and you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Love is the answer. And so that was that kind of became my religion and, and do good unto others. And you know what? Treat others how you want to be treated. And I think that became, you know, my, my religion, so to speak. Um, and that really, really helped a lot. So getting back to to my to the question about God, conversations with God, you know, I just I enjoyed reading it because it it just inspired me uh, how Neil Donald Walsh, Walsh um, you know, kind of broke things down in more of a spiritual way, and, and yeah, it was just it was just it kind of resonated with me um, very much, very much. <laughs> See, it's um, firstly the secret if people actually look into the behind the scenes of how that was made and that came through, uh-huh. like you say, pure faith and she had no money and she got her accountant to like believe in her. And then it just, uh-huh. Oh, if you ever hear that, it's incredible. She just knew. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. do you, how do you feel about the secret? Do you, do you, have you heard negative, you know, where people say, Oh, well, it's kind of a, you know, where people got together and they cashed in. Do you feel that or do you feel that there is some good in that? You know, I think there's good in everything. I think it's the way that marketing these days spin a lot of things. And then, again, I think as humans, we judge things, don't we, as good or bad. I think we need to be mindful. We don't know the behind the scenes. We have never walked in anyone's shoes. And it's funny because when this campaign started, like I lost a friend to suicide, it stemmed it. And spirituality, religion was never around me. I was open to it, but the more it led, spiritual people came to me, which is a surprise that me and you connected. There's a connection that you're just like, there's something else. And then people, (laughs) people think when you talk about the secret and that, when people come out with religious stuff and everything, and I'm going, I don't, I don't. No, I'm not religious at all. I said, but like you there, like you, I believe that God is everywhere. He's moving this, he's making things happen. And and like that book, she had that utter faith with that alignment and it came. But if people look behind the scenes, it was like, she. I think she was working in, in a film or something, trying to get investments and all this. Don't quote me, but I know that she was down in a negative, in a bank balance and everything. And she had an accountant and she was like, please just stay with me because this is going to, this is going to make everything. And then something happened along the way, obviously it blew up. And, but I think where people go wrong and there's a negative connotation is because for a long time, they were just sat there thinking that manifestation would work. But you still need to put that work in, whether it's God, whether it's anything like he's leading you. But then there was I think there was a follow up, but maybe a year or two years later, where then he finally said, well, you still have to put the work in. So I think people. So, again, it's people at the end of the day, I think I think you need to look behind the scenes. So with that being said, everything that you've learned so far with the campaign's title, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Oh gosh, there is no such thing as perfection. And I learned that, uh, you know, thinking, especially in my 20s, oh, I need to do, uh, I need to be this way in order to be successful. I need to do things a certain way. I need to marry this certain person. I need to, 
all of that causes so much stress and grief. And, and, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. There is no such thing as, as perfection. And once I started kind of seeing my quirks and, and kind of going with it and going, wow, I'm the most imperfect person on the planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people would look at me and go, oh my God, you're so perfect. You just got, and I'm like, God, if you only knew how, how imperfect I am, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that's what it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it just means being yourself and not worrying about creating an image or, um, you know, having to prove anyone to anyone, uh, that you're a certain way or, you know, anything. It's just being, you know, people I find will love you more for your honesty, for being who you are, not trying to be someone else because it will, you, you'll always, you'll never align if you're trying to be someone else. It's never going to work out. Eventually, you know, something's going to crash. You always just, the more authentic you are in this life, in this world, uh, the easier it is. And like you said, the more you let go of things, things then get easier and they start to flow. And that's about being imperfect is letting go, um, not trying to please anyone or be anything or anyone that you're not just being you, what make, you know, what do you feel? And that, that's what I call imperfect, you know, beauty because it's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. Excellent. <laughs> I love, love that answer. Now I do want to, I, I do want to ask you because yes. your career is huge. Like, when you was talking about in front of 20,000 people and the billboard and everything. Oh. So going from that, but th this is like with the imperfect, how you hold yourself and you're very self-aware when you got on, on Baywatch. And then obviously that became like this worldwide phenomenon, like, and I'll, everything attesting to this campaign towards America, I'll give to a mutual yeah. friend of ours, Jeremy Jackson, like I love oh, guy, is like, met him four years ago. I just reached out to him for a shoe and he said, I don't really like shoes, but but there's something about you. And we caught up and he just shared his life with me. And I was like, you don't even know who I am. He said, no, but there's something special about you. And we've been friends for like four or five years. He's I got two thumbs. I got two thumbs. Go yeah, on. He just owns his truth. And I, yeah, I've got so much respect. He, does. he does. You know what I mean? And that's so attractive. It's so attractive. If more people did that, wow. It, you know, <laughs> the world yeah. would be scary because everyone would be so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> right? But but even, yeah. th even through Jeremy, even through Gina, um, Kelly, wow. a couple more yeah. from the Baywatch that have come on, what yeah. was your experience? Because again, coming from that small town to Hollywood and things started taking off and then worldwide fame, yeah. like talking like, boom, paparazzi cameras, everything. What is that like for someone's well-being? Because now you're a mother as well. And oh, yes. obviously yes. you want to shelter your kids. So <laughs> what was that like at that time? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just having the childhood that I had and coming from such a very grounded Midwestern Southern uh, type upbringing, you know, uh, that, that definitely gave me the foundation to be able to handle a lot of stuff that 
most people probably would not be able to handle if I didn't have, you know, my parents being so solid and, and firm with me. And, um, you know, they ended up, they were married for 31 years and they did end up divorcing, but not until I was in my twenties after 31 years. So I, 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 I mean, luckily, cause you know, most, most kids come from divorce, at least 51%, I, I believe, at least in California. Um, so I still have my parents that were still married while I was still living in Missouri. So I think that kind of definitely helped. Um, and then just having that foundation of that, that upbringing prepared me. So when I was in California, it was just about, um, then I got into meditating. I got into meditating and um, I wanted to see how other people, what make them tick. So I studied other religions. I studied Catholicism. I studied um, Buddhism. I studied, uh, I, I went to Kabbalah, you know, um, Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell were, were like four rows behind me during this time. <laughs> so, you know, of course it was, it was, it became kind of a fad then, but, but, that's beside the point. My, my, my point is, is that I wanted to understand um, what drives people and where, where their um, faith lies. And it was just interesting to be able to study other religions and to kind of understand that and maybe take something great from Buddhism, maybe take something great from Catholicism, great, you know, from Kabbalah. And um, that really helped. It kind of opened my eyes and my mind to, understanding people's spiritual awareness. Um, and, and then, like I said, I started meditating and then that was really life-changing, really life-changing. And then as time went on in the last five years, I got my master's in Reiki healing. And that was really, really um, life-changing. So it's kind of been an evolution that started in my twenties until now where I just became more aware, just was open to more people's um, beliefs and, and understanding what makes people tick um, and, and understanding the human condition as much as I could so I could be a good friend, a good person, a good mother. Um, so I think it's like, yeah, it's just been a whole evolution of learning, exploring, um, you know, learning these modalities, um, meditating more. It's, it's all been a process, but wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, it, I, think, I think it's brought me here you know, <laughs> to a little more stress-free, I guess you could say compared to my twenties. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're dropping <laughs> still learning every day, but a little less stressful. <laughs> but you even just said it there, like you, you took the words out of my mouth. You, it's like everything's a constant evolution. So it's brought you here today. Yes. You're constantly learning. And I think you're dropping, if anyone's listening, like listen to the words that you're saying. You're dropping so much wisdom in terms of how you can look oh. after your well-being and everything like that and meditation yes. and oh, everything. But two two last questions for you because uh, it oh, is your yeah. day there. But um. So with, with a lot of your work, we all know you like the public persona and the awesome career, but behind the scenes, your philanthropy work, tell us more about your foundation and the work that you do, because that, like I said at the beginning, like helping the homeless is just amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I just love that. I mean, obviously, 
before I started this foundation, I worked for so many other foundations because I just, someone would call me and say, hey, can you come down here and serve meals? And I'm like, heck yes, I will be there in 30 minutes. You know, it was just, I enjoy it so much. And I find during my darkest, most low times in my life that I've gone through, because it, it hasn't been all roses, you know, I'm talking about all this stuff and I'm more stressed, but you know, there's that evolution where you grow and you have some really traumatic events or life challenges and, um, you know, deaths in the valley, whatever it is, um, that really shakes you to your core at times you think now, how can I go on? I feel so horrible right now. And I feel I'm in such a dark place. Will I ever see the light again? You know, that's always a question. And I think what saved me so many times, or at least got me out of, of a dark place quicker was doing something for somebody else. I mean, it just automatically, boom. It was like, okay, whew, that I feel so much better now. Just going to, um, um, you know, an animal charity or going and, and you know, helping uh, another charity or, or running a uh, marathon for something related to cancer. All of those things helped me get out of some pretty dark places when I would put my attention on helping someone else. So when people ask me to this day, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so depressed and I can't seem to get out of it. What should, you know, I said, go help someone because trust me, it's pretty, pretty magical when you do that. It, it really helps, at least for me, it, it always has helped. So anyway, creating Angelic Kitchen, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I'm at the point now where I want to create my own. And so I um, created, a, have a, a commercial kitchen space where we prepare meals, healthy kind of vegan inspired um, meals. And deliver to homeless or food insecure individuals that needed in the Los Angeles area now, but eventually I would love to expand outside of Los Angeles and California. It would be amazing to have a um, national food bank. So that's kind of my goal. <laughs> it, this just, this just popped in my head as well. Is, is there a little sure. moment? I, I it always does this, but it's like, just to reiterate to people how important it is just to help others. Is there a moment where you obviously know what you're doing is giving back and helping, but that moment where you actually get those, those feelings or tears because yeah. someone comes up to you and tells you how much you've impacted them or made a difference in their life? Boy, I'm such a softy. I swear. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I would be when, when I see people and, um, yeah, like as you when you were just talking about, you know, Jeremy Jack, I, I got goosebumps. Um, I am one of those people that get, gets goosebumps mm -hmm. when something moves me, you know, when something goes straight to the soul, it's like brrr, goosebumps. Um, something really affects me. I, I get super teary. I'm such a softie. <laughs> so when that happens, I'm like, okay. I got to do something right now. I need to do something <laughs> about this. I need to help them. Let me make a few calls. Let me get the resources together. You know, I just go into a uh, superwoman mode. I don't know how else to explain it. Mm -hmm. um, I get affected and um, 
I just want to freaking save the world. I just, I just go into this mode and I can't even describe it. It's kind of like an autopilot. I won't sleep that night or I won't sleep until I know that person's okay, or I can get them in a shelter or I can call in and um, we can deliver them some meals or whatever it is or supplies or uh, get them a job lined up. I, I'm, I'm that type. I, I won't be able to sleep until I know that that person is okay. So it's hard for me to watch TV or tragic things because I'm such an empath that I get, it, 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 I get so affected. I, I can, it can bring me down for weeks at a time. Wow. So that's why I've kind of got to put blinders on and, you know, take certain things one at a time and help that one and help that one and help this one one at a time. Because if I try to do all at once, or if I see a big tragic event, um, it can really get me down because I'm, 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 so sensitive, you know, so I have to find myself kind of putting on blinders sometimes. Wait, like goes back to your, like you mentioned the energy, doesn't it? Like we've got a bucket. The idea is to fill that bucket. So it overflows and helps. But if we constantly let our energy out, like we're going to, I was told once I was doing it and it said, Glenn, you've got nothing left in your bucket. So I had to pull back. But just just going into that last question then, because um, you've just done a new film, Sorry Ghetto, and why I wanted to leave it to last was because you mentioned it there, it's not all highlight reels and it's not all rosy. You have gone through those dark periods. So what drew you, first of all, to this film? And tell us about it. Wow. Uh, Well, the director, uh, Nico Santucci, this was his first film. He wrote the script. He directed the film. I mean, he did a lot of actual <laughs> the camera work because as he described, um, you know, this this was his baby. This was part of his soul. And, and when he created and wrote the script, um, it was because he was inspired by events that he has seen or, or maybe it's even happened in his life or uh, thoughts in his head. So sometimes when someone wasn't getting the shot that he needed, you know, he would just take it the camera and take take the lead and and uh, capture what he needed to capture. So this film is um, definitely about mental health. It does have to. I, I won't give away you know the plot or um, uh, you know what the film is about, but it, it does have to do with suicide. And it, oh my goodness, it it really makes you think. It makes you think. Um, it's about someone sacrificing the ultimate sacrifice uh, of being so unselfish, (laughs) if you will, um, that they make this ultimate sacrifice. And the story that leads up to that and to how it affects everyone around the characters in this film. The film is so profound, so beautifully written, so, I mean, breathtakingly cinematographic in, in the visuals that it, it took my breath away when I went to the screening. And there was not a, a dry eye in that theater um, because it really takes you by the heart. And, um, oh, yeah, and I guess that's all I can say because I don't want to give away what it's about, but it is, it's about love. It's about mental 
mental health. It's about suicide. And, um, you know, what, what provokes people um, to do certain things, uh, what kind of place or what, what it would take for, for, to provoke people to reach a moment in their lives where they have to sacrifice something. So, um, wow. yeah, it's pretty wow. powerful. And when does that come out? Yeah. <laughs> when, when does that one come out? It should be coming out, I, I believe, in a few months. You know, we've been doing screenings of it in the last few weeks, and it's been entered in so many film festivals and is winning every, you know, film festival that it goes into. People are so um, moved by this film and affected by this film. Yeah, it's he's Nico Santucci, you know, he's winning Best Director. You've got Windsor Harmon, who is winning uh, Best Actor. And then, of course, you have an uh, upcoming newer actress um, who's winning the, the actress categories. And it's it's pretty amazing being this. This is his first film. So, um, wow. yeah. <laughs> Sounds incredible. Well, yeah. I, I, I just want to say on, on behalf of me, on behalf of the campaign, um, thank you for all you do in the philanthropic world and everything that you do because you can tell you're led by the spirit and it, it just it comes straight out of screen and in that voice where can people find out more information about you and any last words if there's anybody out there listening to you that that may be struggling yeah um i think well definitely you can follow me on instagram even though sometimes you know as we all know instagram can kind of be our highlight reel um but if you do go to angeliccitchen.org there's a little bio that kind of talks about my inspiration uh for creating you know the the um uh, the project that, that I'm doing now, my foundation. But I think what I want to tell anyone is that, like I said earlier, kind of reiterating, that's very important, that you can do anything that you set your mind to. Um, One million percent. Don't let anyone tell you no or try to change your vision. If you have a vision and it's your soul is leading you, um, you can achieve anything that your heart desires because, um, you know, I've, I've seen it and I've done it. And uh, yeah, I think that's no matter what your background, ethnicity, you know, whatever, the color of your skin, whatever it is, your sexual orientation, don't let anyone make you feel inferior or less than ever, ever. Um, just believe in yourself and go from your soul and your heart and um, everything will fall in place. Wow. I've, I've so thoroughly enjoyed this chat. So many, oh, so many, so many oh. nuggets on there. But as I say, <laughs> thank you once again. And guys, I will be putting all the links up where you can find Angelica and more about a foundation and her upcoming film. But until next time, guys, please keep having the hard conversations because it is the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.